0: Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast, indeed the last City View podcast for some time. We've had a wonderful time recording this and I hope you've enjoyed it too, but we've had some wonderful guests and great insight from our reporters. But the time has come to go away as we head into the Jubilee and think about ways we can reshape and improve the City View to give you more information, news, analysis and everything that's happening in the square mile. It won't be a long break. We'll be back sooner than you know. And of course, when we do, we'll be the first to let you know. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by Sasha Sullivan, our opinion and features editor, who will talk through the latest Westminster carnage and what it means for Boris Johnson's future. But first, the corporate headlines with help from our friends at PA. And TUI has cancelled nearly 200 flights due to serve Manchester Airport between now and the end of June, as the chaos faced by UK holidaymakers worsens. The airline made the announcement after passengers suffered long delays in recent days due to staff shortages bedeviling the industry. It will cancel six daily flights up to June the 30th, the sort of lottery that you really don't want to win. Other airlines continuing to axe flights as well, passengers being forced to wait in long queues at airports such as Manchester, Heathrow, Gatwick and Bristol. Airline passengers have been hit by disruption for several months with the situation worsening this week due to the rise in demand sparked by the half-term school holiday as well as the Platinum Jubilee Bank holiday weekend. The aviation industry has been been suffering from staff shortages after letting thousands of people go during the coronavirus pandemic. Airlines and airports repeatedly called for more financial support during the crisis as government travel restrictions suppressed demand and now struggling to recruit new workers. And also those new workers they are able to recruit, often finding delays in getting their security checks processed. Labour accused the government, say, of being missing in action. Tory ministers can't even get the basics right, Louise Hay said. Quite why well, the government should be fixing the aviation industry is slightly beyond me, but but nonetheless, chaos, the blame for which must be laid somewhere. Meanwhile, the markets welcomed the appointment of US activist investor Nelson Peltz to the board of Unilever on Tuesday, as analysts speculated it could bring a shake-up at the consumer giant. The maker of Ben & Jerry's Dove Soap and Hellman's Mayonnaise said that Mr. Peltz would join the board after the firm he runs took a stake worth tens of millions. He was credited with bringing a strong hand to Procter & Gamble last year, the US consumer giant, where he was chairman. And reports have been swirling since January that he may be building a stake in the firm with shares jumping whenever his name was mentioned in the headlines. Confirmation on Tuesday that Trian, the company that he runs, has built a nearly 2% stake in the company, pushed shares up again. Uh, by late morning uh, in London, shares in Unilever up by more than 6%. Now, Unilever's takeover target, failed takeover mm-hmm. target, I should say, GlaxoSmithKline has also agreed to buy a US vaccine firm, Afinivax and a deal worth up. To 2.6 billion UK. It comes as a UK pharma business is seeking to bolster its vaccine operation as part of a shakeup of its portfolio, including the spin off of its consumer health business. Affinivax is working on developing vaccines which target new pneum- Cochle disease that's not me forgetting what that word is just me struggling to pronounce my notes uh, including pneumonia meningitis and bloodstream infections and elsewhere discount retailer bnm has announced that finance boss alex rousseau is to become the firm's new chief exec it reported a dip in sales for the past year but nonetheless analysts are expecting that the cost of living crisis will potentially benefit the discount retailer. Um, speaking of things going at a discount, Sasha O'Sullivan, let's talk about Boris Johnson's reputation because it's fair to say that we thought that, well, you may think differently, I thought that Partygate had slightly died a death and that we had got to a point where um, a series of apologies, each more sincere than the last, um, would have probably put it to bed and that people would be starting to move on to new and interesting things. And yet this week, Westminster has been abuzz with rumours about potentially a number of letters going in to Graham Brody, the head of the 22 committee. It seems that actually, for whatever reason, we're moving from the shock and awe of party gate investigations and revelations to the fallout. In the political party, the Tory party. Um, and it seems that perhaps Boris is in more trouble than maybe I thought.
1: Yes, absolutely. After surviving what many see as an astonishing amount of time since the original revelations came out about parties which happened during lockdowns, Boris Johnson may finally be kind of facing the music. Um, As MPs consider the losses in the local elections and Mm. upcoming by-elections, many are looking at the Prime Minister and thinking, is he hurting our chances in these elections Mm. Um, and much of the the Sue Gray report was published last week finally and incredibly there were even more Mm. revelations to come out over the last few days of parties which Carrie Johnson might have had as well as some rather unsavoury stories Mm. about the treatment of housekeepers at the residence of Chequers.
0: Is it, I mean the the basic gamble for the Tory party for, for the last three years has been that Boris Johnson is the most engaging Popular for better or for worse, or at least was most popular politician in Britain, man who could like a Heineken reach parts of the electorate that nobody else could he never necessarily had a constituency within the Tory party. he didn't have a a huge number of m p s who were Boris cheerleaders, he had people who recognised that without Boris they wouldn't have their seat, but that didn't necessarily translate to people that would stick by him if the going got tough. It's been interesting to see the number of Tory MPs who have put letters in because you've got this strange mixture of, um, you know, the former AG under Theresa May. You've got Andrea Leadsom, who is hardly a a, a Remainer Mayite type, Um, and then you've also got some of the new MPs who won seats in 2019 on the back of that Boris Johnson swell of support, also saying, actually, you know, I'm not sure that this is playing that well amongst the constituency. So you've got this combination of sort of the old guard, but also these new Tory MPs trying to protect their marginal seats, maybe panicking a bit because they've never really been through tough times mm-hmm. before. But it seems like there's a swell of grumpiness from right across the, the, the breadth of the Tory party.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is a it is widespread discontent and I think that's really the problem for Boris Johnson right now. You know, if we look back to 2018 when Theresa May faced her no confidence vote, there really was a kind of surge of Brexiteers who were coming out against her and a loss of her plans for Brexit. Whereas this is much more widespread, which really shows that the gamble that the Conservative Party took in 2019 that Boris Johnson would lead them to success and they and he did has worn off. And Mm. Boris Johnson has a skill in politics in that he has been able to straddle that divide between the right of the party and Brexit and some really liberal economic policies. But the cost of that has meant that he doesn't have a huge Mm. amount of loyalty on the principles that he stands for, which we haven't really managed to figure out a couple of years now into his tenure at Downing Street. Um, I I do think that... (laughs) There are murmurs that the threshold for lessers could be reached and mm. yet he could still somehow defy the odds and come out so he would need to get 180 MPs mm. um, voting for him um, in a vote of no confidence and it's a secret ballot. Um, and Some are saying, you know what, it might be a good thing and he might be able to revamp his leadership mm. if he does win that. Although Therese May, who again managed to win quite a- incredibly a vote of no confidence, then resigned six months later because she was just unable to function mm. as the head of the government. and Boris Johnson, even if he wins the which is still you know, this is a couple steps ahead. Um, so I, I, re- I really think that we are looking at perhaps finally the end of the road.
0: Oh my goodness. For Boris Johnson. There was a great line by um, uh, Tim Shipman over at the Sunday Times a few, might even have been about a year, 18 months ago, that nobody has ever lost money betting on a Boris Johnson comeback. Absolutely. He does have a unique yeah. ability, um, Teflon-like, to, to shake these things off. To do so, though, he does need to set out an agenda for the rest mm-hmm. of his term, right? Because... He's been buffeted by COVID-19, buffeted by, you know, a recession that, you know, uh, difficult to to do much about as a politician. Mm. But he seems to be so easily knocked off his his bike because he's almost moving so slowly. There's no obvious direction as to where the Tory party wants to be by the time of the next election, which may be the end of 2023, mm. if rumours it to be believed. You know, is there a frustration within the Tory party, you'll know better than I, that All of this party gate stuff and all of the defense they're having to do with Boris Johnson would be worth it if they could see something that Boris was going to deliver in 12 or 18 months, Mm. low tax, Singapore on Thames, whatever it might be. But actually they're defending it. And they're not really sure why they're defending it. Mm. Because what are you defending? Slightly higher taxes?
1: Absolutely. And I think this is really part of the problem with Boris is that he hasn't been able to establish during his time as Prime Minister what he stands for. You know, he had all of these grand plans of levelling up and, Mm. you know, transport networks and things like that, which have all kind of come to nothing. Um, You know, when we had the levelling up white paper from Michael Gove, a lot Mm. of people kind of thinking, finally, we're going to hear about all of these things that we were promised and again it kind of vanished into thin air um, into quite a Mm. lot of words but thin air nonetheless Um, and i I do think that that lack of guiding light for boris johnson has meant that he doesn't have a back as much of a backup yeah in the tory party at the moment yeah
0: well he just can't say it's worth it don't worry we'll get through this and then we'll head to a panacea because at the moment you know you're heading into election with the economy going backwards real wages and high taxes and people not overly thrilled about government so yeah you can see why there's frustration in the Tory party and Labour to their credit so far it seems living up to the general rule that you should not interrupt your opponent when they're arguing with themselves But the question, I guess, will be in the Labour Party, as is the way with these cycles of political journalism, if in a month's time Labour haven't cut through, if Keir Starmer isn't on the airwaves looking like a future PM, they will then have their own existential crisis about whether Keir is the right leader to to beat Boris.
1: Absolutely. And I do think that Labour will have to face that question sooner rather than later. I think that, you know, they chose Keir Starmer as leader in the wake of the Corbyn years Mm -hmm. and they wanted someone to steady the ship. Whether or not Starmer is actually someone who can win at an election is a very different thing. I think Labour took the gamble that they probably weren't going to win for a little bit Mm -hmm. when they elected Keir Starmer and they didn't really anticipate just how badly Boris (laughs) Johnson could do. Yeah,
0: well quite. (laughs) Labour with an 11 point lead according to the most recent (laughs) polling, but still if you look at the constituency makeup, that doesn't necessarily translate mm. to a majority. And if, it was, if there was an election tomorrow and the polling reflected itself in how people actually voted, you'd end up with a sort of Labour plus mm. with potentially even the SNP, which leads to a whole world of, of awkwardness for the union more broadly. Um, Sasha, let's leave it there because I think we could probably pontificate for some time, but I think we can probably conclude that Boris is in a fair bit of trouble, um, but you can't rule him out never can um, that was that's Ray thank Sullivan you. our opinion and editor at City AM of course plenty of thought-provoking opinion in the pages of City AM every day as well as online and all the news analysis you probably got used to uh, on this podcast will be replicated I can assure both in the paper and online on cityam.com um, for me it's been a pleasure thank you so much thank, huge thanks to Nassim De Silva who's been producing our podcast over the past six months um, and going on to greater things but from all of us at the City View thanks very much